Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Podcast with Pastor Tom Berninger. You know, you probably don't know this, but the Kurt Warner story, which is that film that we're going to watch, was almost called the Tom Berninger story. (laughs) But at the last minute, I felt the call instead to become a full-time assistant youth pastor, making less than minimum wage instead of signing a contract for the NFL. But it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Praise God. So I don't, I don't lament it. Amen. All, all glory to God. Um, we have a, uh, right now one person going, is that really true? No. <clears throat> we want to encourage you to sign up in the back for our home groups and also for um, one of our ministry teams. And they both serve a similar purpose. You know, there's people who come to church and they've been a little while and they'll say, but I don't know anybody. Well, what are you doing when you're here? We have bagels after every single Sunday service and we have small groups so you get to know one another that are here. When you're joined up to a ministry, you get knit together and get to know other people that are here. We're doing whatever we can to get you to know other people that are here, but you have to step up and sign up yourself. Um, one reason why we're having this uh, ministry opportunity, ministry fair, was a couple weeks ago, um, I had done a series entitled, <coughs> excuse me, um, Enduring to the End, Making It Over the Finish Line, that I don't want anybody to die in the wilderness like the Jews did in the wilderness. And the verse that we used was that we would be um, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of God. These are the three ways, steadfast, literally means to be seated. We need to be in the house of God. It needs to be a priority. It needs to be the priority of our lives. And unfortunately, we, we when I say we, I mean the church has lost that in, in these days. When I was a young Christian in 1980, man, we did what, I mean, we, we dragged uh, broken bones and, and pulled ourselves to get to the house of God because nothing was more important. And now, eh, if I feel like coming, I come. We've, we've forgotten the importance of the house of God. So be steadfast, unmovable. Don't be shaken in your faith. Know what you believe. And don't let anybody or anything push you off what you believe. And always abounding in the work of God. Always have your hand to the plow. Always look to contribute and give back. So I want to encourage you. So this is an opportunity today to sign up for small groups every Wednesday starting in March. And then... Um, becoming part of a, uh, a ministry in the church and feel like you're contributing and, and, and feel good about yourself. Yes. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. The title of our message today is is why the world needs the church. Why the world needs the church. The church has been persecuted for roughly... 2,000 years. Since its existence, the church has been persecuted. The church has been declared dead countless times throughout history. Yet amazingly, it still exists. Amazingly, there are still tens of thousands of souls getting saved, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions, every single year. This church um, of which people would declare dead is still alive, alive and well. In fact, the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care if all the forces of man and all the forces of hell conspired at the exact same time to destroy the church. They would fail because my God is greater than any force upon this earth. This church will be alive and well. The church will be alive and well until Jesus takes us away out of the face of this earth. In fact, I'm sure most of us have heard reports on the news about this revival taking place in a college campus. I think it's in Kentucky. And and they've been having a prayer meeting that is two and a half weeks long right now. It hasn't stopped. And that's amazing. In fact, I read an article yesterday or the day before. There were up to 10 or 12 uh, colleges are having a revival all over, all across the country right now. Don't tell me God is dead. Don't tell me the church is dead. The church is alive and well. 
Hallelujah. There may be some individuals that are dead in the church, but that's why we have, we need to have a passion for saving souls, a passion for transforming lives, a passion for strengthening families, and a passion for building the community so that people can come and find strength. We need to be passionate about our faith because passionate um, is like a fire that sets other people on fire. We need to be on fire in our faith for God. If nothing is happening here, that means we're not on fire. That means that's shame on us, not shame on God, shame on us. And man, I want great things to happen here. So the world has declared the church dead for thousands of years. They've been wrong for thousands of years, and they'll be wrong until the day that Jesus Christ returns. But I want to talk about why the world needs the church. The church doesn't uh, serve some merely religious function. The church, as some people would say, well, um, well, let's put, put it this way. They declared the church dead in the 1700s when the Enlightenment came in. The Enlightenment was, well, well, scientific discoveries came left and right, and they said, we don't need the church anymore because the church only existed to um, give spiritual reasons for scientific things that they didn't understand, which, is, of course, is completely 100% wrong. The church is saving souls. We're into saving souls. But they declared the church dead, and they were wrong. The church is still alive. We're still here because of that. And the first point I want to go over as to why the world needs the church, and many of us know this portion of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, notice what Jesus said here. He said, you, speaking of the church, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its Savior, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Now, this is an interesting choice of um, terminology that Jesus uses to describe the church, but it's a powerful choice of terminology because it, it, it talks about one of our main focuses and our main purpose is that we are the salt of the earth. And this explains why a lot of craziness is happening in the world right now. Because the church is losing its influence over the world. And as we're coming closer and closer to the last days, I believe there's going to be revivals that are going to break out. But overall across the world, the world is rejecting the church. And the church is losing its influence. And then craziness ensues. Why? Because Jesus said we are the salt of the earth. For those that don't know this, but I've probably shared this a thousand times, salt was a great preserver in its day. If you had meat, you would pack that meat in salt. And it would stop the meat from putrefying. It would stop the meat from rotting. So salt was a preserver. And when Jesus said about the church of Jesus Christ, his own church, he said, you are the salt of the earth. He's saying, you are the only thing that is stopping the world from decaying. You are the only thing that's stopping the world from going into a complete total state of rot. Take the church away, sin now begins to run rampant. You think sin is bad now? You just wait till the church is completely removed and see what takes place. There have been times throughout history in the past when things have been far worse than they are right now. In fact, they were so bad that the Bible says before the flood that evil, all flesh was completely evil upon the earth. Their only thoughts were evil at all times. Why? Because that's what sin does. Sin left unchecked, sin left unrestrained, sin runs rampant, and it causes rot and decay. The only thing that has been holding sin back is the church, because we're the salt of the earth. Praise God. And then a short time later, once again, in, in an area like Sodom and Gomorrah, sin rose up, sin was unchecked because they rejected God completely, and God had to pour down fire from heaven to blot it out. Without the presence of the word of God, without the presence of God, which is now in the church today, sin runs rampant. You will see sin in ways that we've never seen it manifest before upon this earth. I promise you that. In fact, probably five years ago on a Wednesday, I took a portion of scripture from the Old, Second, I, uh, from the Old Testament I said, here's where we're heading. I'm going to prophesy to you, tell you what's coming right now. I said, not only are you going to see homosexuality on the rise, that was just the beginning. That's just a door opening. Now transgenderism is completely on the rise, but it's going to go uh, beyond that. Now we're also starting to see the beginning of pedophilia 
making its way into acceptance in the world that we live in? Oh, you think that could never happen. It's happening while we're sitting here right now. And then coming right after that in the heels of that, you mark my words, bestiality will be completely accepted in our society. What a perverse, disgusting concept. Yeah, no kidding. What do you think sin is? Sin isn't clean. Sin is ugly. It's perverse. It's nasty. And it's coming our way. Coming to a store near you. Why? Because when the salt begins to withdraw itself from the earth, sin begins to run rampant. But there's a second purpose of the meaning of the word salt. How many of us know that? God says, or the Bible says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We know that. God is a supplier of our needs. Well, for those that don't know this, the word salt comes from the Roman word for salary. So Roman soldiers got paid in salt. That's how valuable salt was. So therefore, their needs were met through salt. Well, the needs of the world are being met through the salt of the earth, the salary of the earth, which is the church. If you want God to provide your needs, if you want God to uh, prepare for you and make a way for you, you need to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. Because that's who God moves through. We are the body of Christ. So church, this is important. We are the salt of the earth. We are the only thing that's stopping this earth from rotting and falling into total disrepair and total decay. And as much as I love my grandchildren, I'm scared. I'm just being honest with you. I'm scared as to what my grandkids are going to see 50 years from now, if the Lord tarries that long. How horrible are things going to be? And the following verse, we all know this. Matthew 5, 14 says, But we are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid. Let your, uh, verse 16 says, let your light show shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Without the church, the world plunges into total darkness. And we're starting to see that right now. We're starting to see darkness is covering over every aspect of the government, every aspect of the world, every aspect of science, Darkness is in control. Our public schools are ruled and governed by dark forces. Don't think for a second that it's not true. Dark forces are in control of our school system. Who else decides to bring in drag queens to do book readings to three-year-olds and four-year-olds? Who else decides that, you know what, we're going to start teaching five-year-olds and six-year-olds that it's okay to change your gender and to start encouraging them to have puberty blockers and have surgery to change who they are before they're like 12 years old? Who else would do such a thing? Why would the schools do such a thing, uh, seek to mutilate little children? Why? Who does that? Forces of darkness do this. That's who's doing it right now. I mean, what's going on in our school systems if the Nazis did that, we would go crazy. We would go nuts. But because our public school systems are doing it, we're fine with it. We're okay. Do you, you understand? They want to castrate, chemically castrate our children. You understand that. And you will also need to understand that they're pushing that you as a parent should have no idea what's going on behind the background. Who would do such a thing? The forces of darkness would do such a thing. Darkness is alive and well in the world that we live in today. And it's sad. Acts chapter 26, verse 18, about the purpose of the church, says this. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto the power of God. That they might receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them who are sanctified by faith that is in me or is in Christ. Christ speaking right there. Our purpose, the church's purpose, is to turn people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's to open the eyes to those that are lost, those that are broken. People don't know. 
And it's amazing the things that people don't know anymore, things that we took for granted, things that we thought, well, who would not know what a man is? How could you not know that? There was never a question when I was born what a man is. But now all of a sudden, we don't know. Why? It, it, because a veil has been pulled over the eyes of people. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul says to the church at Galatians, he says, who hath bewitched you, O foolish Galatians, that you would believe a lie? Who hath bewitched you? It's as though a, a spell has been cast over our entire society, isn't it? We're talking in like five years, we don't know what a woman is. We don't know what a man is. In only five years, we're now declaring that science is declaring a man can give birth to a baby. What? What, what has happened? I'll tell you, it's easy to know what happened. Darkness has come in. Darkness is now in dominant control over many segments of our society. Our government controlled by darkness. Our school systems controlled by darkness. And you want to really be alarmed? Half of our religious institutions, at least, are controlled by darkness. I mean, you're, you're going to find this hard to believe, but many of our best um, seminaries where ministers, pastors, um, evangelists are being trained are controlled by atheists. How is that possible? Who, who puts an atheist in as the president of a seminary? They're doing it. It's not doing it. It's been done for decades right now. And what are they doing? They're poisoning entire generations of ministers, of pastors from coming out. Hallelujah. The third point of who we are. We are the repository of eternal hope. Hope is found in the church. Look what's going on in the world today. The world is overcome and bound in a state of hopelessness. Why do you think suicide is at an all-time high? Why do you think kids are committing suicide left and right? Why do you think kids are overdosing on drugs left and right? Because they have no hope. There's no real reason to live. There's no purpose to life anymore. So why bother? Social media is sucking hope out of the lives of kids and out of the lives of people. The church, we are the response to this. Part of the great message that we have, that God has, you got to understand, God has placed this treasure of hope on the inside of each and every one of us. We have the message of hope to a dying world that has no hope any longer. The message is on the inside of us. We need to share this message to people. The Bible says that hope that is cast aside makes the spirit or the soul sick. And people are sick. Anxiety, all-time high. Stress, all-time high. Depression, all-time high. As I said, suicide all-time high how did that seem to happen overnight it's because the church has been pulled away from its influence over the world and hope is kept in us the bible says it is uh, christ in us is the hope of glory for the whole world we need to let people know there's a reason to live we need to let people know that there is a better tomorrow that is awaiting. We need to let people know no matter how bad your today is, there is a hope for tomorrow. We need to let people know because they're not hearing it. They're not knowing it. They're not believing it. They're not feeling it. So why bother? Our poor kids are going to school literally every single day and being told the world's going to come to a burning end in a couple of years. Our kids are going to school every day and being told, if you're white, shame on you. If you're white, you're a hater. If you're white, you're a horrible person. If you're white, you should just leave right now. That's what they're being told literally every single day. Don't feel good about yourself. Don't like yourself. Don't love yourself. Don't worry about tomorrow because you're never going to reach tomorrow. You've got great scientists like 
Ocasio-Cortez telling us that the world is going to come to an end in 12 years. And that was what, three years ago? Nine years left. Let's see, let's, let's see what happens in nine years from now. But I'm telling you, kids are scared about tomorrow. And now the latest fear is now being spoken. You know, there's a big iceberg. That iceberg is about to cut loose. And it's gonna, when it does, it's going to raise the water levels. And people are going to die. Houses are going to be flooded. All horrible things are going to come because of an iceberg. It's going to be cut off. It's going to float into the warmer waters. It's so big, it's going to raise the entire ocean by two to four feet. Stop. I'm tired of hearing your garbage. I'm tired of hearing your dire predictions. I know people who worried about bird flu a couple years ago. And they went bird-brained as a result of worrying about bird flu. And guess what? It never came. But don't worry, because we got monkeypox is coming. Monkeypox is coming to town. Hey! But guess what? Monkeypox came, and monkeypox left. But don't worry, another disease is going to come. And then another disease is going to come. We're on... COVID variant 427, where the whole world's going to die. You should live in fear. Put masks on. Cuddle down on the inside. Live in fear. Have no hope. It's almost as though somebody or something is trying to keep us depressed. Almost. The spirit of darkness is in the world today. And by the way, once people reach a point of hopelessness, they become the most compliant people upon the face of the earth. Because people who have hope will fight for that hope. People who have hope will fight for their lives. But people who have no hope will just give up and will just surrender and say, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever you, you want me to do. In fact, somebody just told me, I don't know, maybe it was Joe, I forget, I had a conversation with them the other day that they, they did a, um, um, an experiment with a rat in a bucket of water and they let that rat swim around for a period of time and then they took it out and let it dry off for a little bit while a little while and then they put it back in again and it swam around and swam around and swam around and lasted a long time and then they took a another bucket with another rat and they put the rat in there and it swam around for a little while but then it gave up and it died now, what was the difference between the two? The first one, when they took it out and they put it back in, it had hope that it would be taken out again. And because it had hope that it would be taken out again, it kept fighting stronger and it lasted longer. But the other rat who had no hope was never taken out. It quit and gave in because it never experienced hope. So you see, when you have hope, you fight. You hang in there. And there are dark forces upon this world that are robbing this world from hope. Hey, you better do whatever we tell you to do or else you're going to die. You better wear 16 masks on your face all at the same time or you're going to die. You better have six shots and 10 boosters and B12 shots and everything else on top of it. If not, you're going to die. And the people who lost hope Okay, we'll do whatever you want us to do. Whatever you want us to do, we have no hope. We're going to die. <clears throat> but you could tell the people who didn't lose hope. They said, no, I'll make my own decisions. No, I'll take care of myself. Thank you very much. Because they still had hope. So this world is having hope sucked right out of it. But we are the repository of hope for the world. We need to be preaching from the mountaintops about hope. We need to be telling people, oh, don't worry, it's not over. Don't worry, the best is yet to come. When you're a child of God, the best is yet to come. We need to fill their hearts with hope. We need to fill their vision with hope. We're the repositories of hope, not the world, not the government, not science. We are the repository of hope for the world. Church, without, uh, without us, the world is hopeless and helpless 
and depressed and then very compliant to governing forces that want to take control of everything. Point number four. We are the defenders of a God-ordained family. Church, if nobody else is going to defend what the nuclear family is, that's okay because that's our job. We'll defend it with our dying breath. God ordained, God created the nuclear family. It is his will, it is his, his purpose, it is his way. And yet that's being taken away from us. As I said, we don't even know what a man is anymore. We don't know what a woman is anymore. Well, what does the Bible have to say? Matthew 19, 4 through 6, and he answered, Jesus answered, said to them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and, 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 oh, I'm sorry, there isn't anything that comes after that, is there? Jesus is crying out, the church needs to be crying out, haven't you heard that from the beginning God made them male and female? Well, pastor, there's a difference between sex and gender, you know. Oh, really? In the, what, the last two months that became in vogue? I'm 60 years old. There was never such thing as a difference between sex and gender. Now, all of a sudden, there's a difference between sex and gender. Why? Because that possessed person who's a professor said there is? Don't listen to them. There's no such thing. There are people that are confused, and there are people that are being exposed to the darkness that's trying to confuse them. It's It's scary. What's going on out there? I just saw, I just saw a show on TV, a little clip. My wife will get up and walk out if I have any of these shows on. No, it doesn't involve Bigfoot and aliens, nothing like that. And this, there's this woman, she's a woman, and she's engaged in what's called pony play, where she spends thousands of dollars to dress up in a pony costume, complete with a bit in her mouth, and she goes to ranches or wherever, and they're showing pictures of her rolling in the hay and running around like this. I'm like, this girl's possessed. This girl's crazy. And somebody finally convinces her to go to get counseling, and you know what the counselor said? Well, whatever makes you happy, that's what you need to... No! This girl is delusional. She needs to be told, girl, you're delusional. That's not normal. But right now, how many of us know that the word normal doesn't exist anymore? Because the minute you make the abnormal normal, the word normal loses its meaning. Now anything goes, anything's in. Dress up like a pony, be my favorite pony, be whatever you want. I told you I saw a show where a woman married the ghost of a pirate. She married the ghost of a pirate. Now, how did she do it? They literally went out on a little boat, kid you not, and they had a poster of Johnny Depp. And she sang vows to this poster of Johnny Depp. And I was listening hard to see if Johnny would respond back to her. But he didn't. And there was a minister that was there performing the ceremony. Oh my Lord, what, what is wrong with you that you would perform such a ceremony? And they would have intimacy with each other. Not her and the poster, her and the ghost. But I got some bad news. They broke up. <laughs> Kid you not, they broke up. They broke up. How sad, how sad. I was heartbroken. I, I, I'm witnessing a love story over here, and they broke up. But that wasn't as bad as the woman I saw on a show who married her train station. Kid you not, she married her train station outside they had a ceremony for her out there people have lost 
their minds. Not kidding you. They've lost their minds. And it's only going to get worse and worse and crazier and crazier. Church, Jesus made it clear. He made them male and he made them female. And for this cause shall a father and mother cleave, uh, father, I'm sorry, leave his mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. See, this is why two gay people cannot get married. Let me finish. They can live with each other and live happily ever after. That's got nothing to do with me. That's between them and God. But there's more to marriage than just a minister performing a ceremony. There's three aspects of marriage. Number one, God will have to join them together. What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Well, if you read scripture, you know that God is not going to join two men or two women together. You know that. So number one, God has not joined them together, so therefore they can't be married. Number two, a couple has to consummate a marriage. Ladies, you may think you're men, but you can't consummate a marriage. Just can't do it. And if two men try to consummate their relationship, I don't want to get too gross on you right now, but just telling you the truth. A man consummate a marriage, consummates a marriage in the channel of life with a woman. A man with another man is in the channel of death. And the third aspect, Jesus, uh, Jesus, well, Jesus, through Jesus, he's the word of God, in Genesis says, be fruitful and multiply. Gay people can't be fruitful. They can't multiply. They can't procreate. Strike one, strike two, strike three. So it's not a question of should they be allowed to get married. It's can they get married. And the answer is no. Not a real marriage. They could have somebody perform some kind of ceremony, but that's not what marriage is. Marriage is way more than that. It goes way beyond that. And people don't understand it. Why? Because we've redefined certain definitions. Yet God hasn't. And also... I said this, I think, last week or the week before, but I want to say it again. 40% of women are having children now in the world today. In the United States, I think. I think it's maybe even less in Europe. 40%. Nobody wants to have children anymore. Nobody wants to have babies anymore. Why? Because women are being lied to. Women are being told, oh, it's so much better if you don't have children. How many parents here have grandkids? Raise your hand. Could you imagine your lives without these grandchildren? Not at all. My kids? That's a fantasy every once in a while. <laughs> but my grandkids? How? You know, you know, people will say, oh, don't you want to move to Florida? Are my kids and grandkids going to be there? No? Then no. Why would I want to move to Florida? Because they're the greatest joy in my life right now. They are. But when you're lied to, when you're told, oh, no, there's nothing more feminine than killing your baby. There's nothing more womanly than refusing to have a baby and instead, you know, have a career because that's what counts. Do you know how many women are 45, 55 years old and they're in tears because they're not married and they don't have kids? Thousands, tens of thousands of them. Why? Because they believe the lie. The same way that the devil deceived Eve He's deceiving her again. Look at this next verse, what it says over here. Notwithstanding Eve, or woman, she shall be saved in childbearing. The redemption, in other words, because Eve sinned and Eve fell, Eve bit the apple, her redemption shall be restored back unto her through the gift of giving birth to children. And it's not that bad giving birth. I was there twice. I was there. Hey. I, ushers, make sure nobody has any objects in their hands right now that they can throw. My, my wife 
bit my hand. I think I suffered more than her. My daughter, I was there for the first one, and I got and, and I felt I told you I felt so bad as she was literally walking down the hallway, bent over in pain. I wanted to kick Miles and say, do something, will you? What kind of husband are you? And then she's back lying in her bed again in pain. I walked out, came back in. Ten minutes later, she's like this. Oh, hi, Dad. Oh, this is great. Great. It's amazing what drugs can do for you. <laughs> she was like, I could do this every nine months. This is so easy right now. I don't feel a thing. Well, no cesareans out there. I had my own cesarean in surgery. Yeah. yeah. I did. I had my own cesarean. And apparently they left one behind in there, as, as, as you can see. So uh, I'm going to have to go back to finish, to, to, to finish that procedure. I, I promise you that. But church, it's up to us to defend what God created. Marriage what a man is, what a woman is, the beauty of having family and having children. It's a beautiful thing. Do you know how many churches are dying because babies aren't being born in that church? Because we're listening to what the world has to say. We are the defenders of God-ordained family. Number five, we are the teachers of right from wrong. You know, people don't know what is right and what is wrong in the world that we live in today? In fact, now do they not, not know what is right and wrong? They're actually being told what is wrong is right and what is right is wrong. Which the Bible says in the last days, what's evil shall be looked at as good and what's good shall be looked at as evil. So how are they going to know uh, that this is the way walking you in it? It's the job of the church to tell people. We need to instruct them on what is sin and what is not sin. On what is right and what is wrong. It says in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 44, verse 23, speaking of the priests of the Old Testament, and by the way, how many of us know that we are priests in the New Testament? It says, and they, the priests, shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. Church, we need to be declaring what is right and what is wrong. We need to be letting people know I'm sorry, I love you, but that's sinful. I'm sorry. I know the world says, you know, party the night away, but the Bible says that if you're a drunkard, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Oh, I know the world says, hey, just have sex with whoever you want, whatever you want, no big deal. I'm sorry, the Bible says the complete opposite. Fornicators, which is sex outside of marriage, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, I didn't know that. Well, now you know. And I'm telling you because I love you. We need to know what is right and what is wrong. And the word of God gives us instruction on what's right and what is wrong. And that lives within us. As long as I have breath, I will preach God's way or the highway. I will preach the truth, and the truth will set people free. I will preach it because people need to hear truth because they don't know. Well, what's the big deal sleeping around? What's the big deal of, you know, of, of getting stoned or something like that? What's the big deal? God said, don't do it. That's all you need to know. End of conversation. God says it's sin. God says it will keep you out of heaven. That's what you need to know. But we don't understand that. And unfortunately, it's because, you know, the Bible says my people will perish because of a lack of knowledge. A lot of people are going to perish. You're going to stand before God. And God's going to say, you were a sinner. You lived in sin. In fact, how many of us remember the words of Jesus when Jesus said in that day, many shall come to me and say, Lord, Lord. And I will say to them, get away from me. I never knew you, you sinner. And they're going to say, well, God, but I didn't know. Nobody told me. Well, you should have found the church where they preached the word of God to you. Where they told you the truth. Because the truth is going to be the thing that sets you free. I want you to make it into heaven. 
The world needs to know what is right and what is wrong. Almost done. Point six. We are the examples of the power of transformation. Mm. I love this. I love this verse. We, the church. Tell me what hope does somebody have who grew up in a terrible household and they've been messed up? What hope does somebody have who grew up feeling super insecure on the inside? What hope does somebody have who, um, I, I'm filled with anger because I was abused? What hope does somebody have who, uh, I, I have a hard time to love because I was rejected as a child? What hope does somebody have if my parents were alcoholics, my father or my uncle sexually abused me? What hope does that person have to live a happy and successful life? I will tell you the answer, without Christ, they have no hope. Because those things don't just disappear, they stay on the inside of you forever. But in Christ, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 5, in fact, we have that as our verse right over here. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The only hope for people who have been damaged, who have been destroyed, who have been helpless and hopeless, is to be born again. That's the only hope they have. Alcohol doesn't heal you. Alcohol numbs you. Drugs and medication doesn't heal you. Drugs just numb you. Therapy and counseling, 99% of the time, doesn't help you. In fact, they just make you worse, half the therapists that are out there. It's the supernatural transforming power of the Holy Spirit, of the Word of God. And I'm here to declare to you that God is still transforming lives. He's still making old new. He's still making broken whole. He's still making lost found. He's still making dead alive again. God is doing it. <clears throat> you know, on, on my phone, I have a text, and it was from somebody from our church, got saved more recently, and they texted me and they said, Pastor, if people only knew the change that is taking place in my life. If they knew the old me, I found myself in situations where in times past, before church, I would have been screaming and fighting like a lunatic. He said, but now I watch other people scream and fight like a lunatic, and I say, oh my God, that used to be me. And they're declaring, my life has been radically changed. My life has been radically transformed. Hallelujah. What hope do you have if, if your marriage is failing and falling apart? Well, if you surrender to Christ, great things can happen. What hope do you have if you're suicidal? And nobody has a solution for you. The answer is found in the church. It's found in becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. Church, we are the examples of transforming power and the transforming hope that comes in Christ. The Bible says, take off the old man and put on the new man, which is made in the image of of Christ. I'm so excited that this church right now is filled with people who have been radically transformed. Some of you, you've heard their testimonies. Some of you, you've got some unbelievable testimonies and you've kept it to yourself. It's time for you to step up to the plate and shout to the whole world what Christ did for you. Because people don't know it. People look at you and go, oh, look how cute she is. Look how nice she is. You, they have no idea what you went through before you drag yourself into the church. They have no idea who you were. All they know is who you are. But they need to hear who you were because it gives greater glory to now who you are. Amen? So there are people in this world, there are hundreds of millions, there are billions of people in this world who have no hope for a dramatic transformation in their life. None, because the only answer is Jesus Christ. He's the only answer. Last point. <clears throat> We are the demonstrators 
of the benefits of serving God. In Romans 12, 2, it says this, And be not conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What does that mean? It means that when God transforms your mind, you then become the proof of what the will of God can do when you walk in the will of God. If anybody says, well, I don't believe God is real. No, look at me. I am proof that God is real. You know who I used to be. I'm not that person anymore. You know how I used to talk. I don't talk that way anymore. You know I was filled with anger and hatred. Now I'm filled with love. My life is a living proof of what God can do. That's who we're supposed to be. That's what that means. Prove how awesome and how powerful the will of God is. Let people see it alive on the inside of you. Part of me believes that we should never have to witness about Christ with our mouth. Ever. That if the people who knew us and now know the new version of us, they should follow us wherever we go on a Sunday. We should be looking in our rearview mirror and that car's still following me. In fact, there's seven cars following me right now. And you pull into the church parking lot and they pull in right after you. And you stop, you say, why are you following me? Because we wanted to know where you go. We wanted to know what has made such a difference in your life. You were miserable, you were nasty, and now you're almost pleasant. <laughs> I couldn't spend a minute with you. Now I'm up to a minute and 15 seconds. That's okay. God's still doing the work in me, man. Give, give, give me some more time. You want to spend five minutes with me. We need to prove the benefits of serving God. One other verse, then we're coming to the end. 1 Peter 2.9. Many of us know this. That we should show forth. Well, we'll read the whole thing. But you are uh, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises. The word praises there is the word virtues, the characteristics. That we should show forth the characteristics of him who hath brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are called to be billboards, living billboards, to the power of God's transformation. That's who we are ordained and called to be. If anyone ever doubts God's existence, they're either blind or they've never come across a true Christian. Because if they come across a true Christian, man, there's no denying what resurrection power can do. No denying. And we need to not hide it from the world. We need to let the world know. We need to let the world know that when you're in Christ, there's joy unspeakable and full of glory that comes with it. They need to know that when you're in Christ, there's peace that passes all understanding. When you're in Christ, that you used to get upset all the time, and now you pray for people all the time. They need to see that. They need to know that, that there are benefits to serving God. There are benefits of eternity. Hallelujah. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Amen. But there are benefits to serving God right now on this earth. How much is it worth that I have a great marriage? Priceless. How much is it worth that my son or my daughter aren't on drugs somewhere? Priceless. How much is it worth that my son and my daughter have great uh, marriages? Priceless. Oh, hallelujah. It's worth more than millions or billions of dollars. Now, why do I have all those things? Not because of me, but because of Christ in me. Because I want to be living proof. I want the world to know that marriage in Christ works. I want them to know. I want them to know that raising kids in the Lord works. I want them to know. Which is why you've heard me say that I'm thrilled when our young people get together and hang out and have good, clean fun 
and they're laughing and having a blast. Why? Because it works. You don't need to have drugs. You don't need to have keggers of beer right there with you. You don't need to have pornography right there. You don't need any of those things to have fun. Not in Christ, you don't. So we, the church of Jesus Christ, I'll relist them, then we're done. Why the world needs the church? We are the salt of the earth. We stop it from rotting. We are the light of the world. We turn people from darkness to light. We are the repository of eternal hope. It's Christ in us is hope. This is the way we overcome depression. We are the defenders of the God-ordained family. We are the teachers of what is right versus what is wrong so that we can make it to heaven. We are the examples of the power of transformation. Hallelujah. And we are the demonstrators that there are great benefits to serving God. They need to see it in us. Church, the world needs you. The darker it gets, the more they need us. Let's start telling people about the greatness of God. Let's start giving people hope. Let's start telling people that their lives can transform, their lives can change. Let's open our mouths and let the light shine. Or more importantly, let's act like it and let the light shine. Amen? Stand to your feet, everybody. Join hands with somebody next to you, if you will. Amen. Don't forget, we got a ministry fair inside next door. Check them out. Sign up. Sign up for a, um, a home group. Amen. And you know what? Bring somebody to your home group who needs to know Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your promises that are yes and amen. Yes. Lord God, I pray that we have found um, the importance of our purpose of being here on this earth, Lord God. Lord God, we're salt, we're light, we're hope, we're transformation. Lord God, we're the path to eternity, Lord God. It's all found in us, the church. Lord God, may we take that seriously. And Lord God, may we bring others down that path to where they could experience that joy, that peace, that happiness, Lord God. Lord God, use us to help transform lives. Lord God, we're not surrendering, surrendering this world to darkness yet. We're not surrendering, surrendering this world to sin and evil yet. As long as we're here, Lord God, we'll repel the darkness with our light. We'll repel sin with our righteousness, Lord God. And we'll always have um, the door open to bring people in, to bring people home to glory with you. So, Lord God, may our prayer be use us, Lord God, to be that light and that example. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless everybody. Have a great, great day. Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Podcast with Pastor Tom Bellinger. You can find more information about Abundant